All right, folks. Let's begin with our sponsors. Number one, it's MeccaBooks.com. And with Mecca Books, we will be reading from the biographies of the Odia every Thursday, which means after tomorrow. We will be reading from uh, the... Uh, okay. Okay. We'll be reading from the biographies of the Odia. So you get that book. It's called... Saviors of Islamic Spirit. So Mecca Books is the first one. And then you need to study for your, uh, your exams, your SATs, your ACTs, everything, etc. You're going to study that with professors121.com. Okay? And then lastly, patreon.com backslash safinasidi.org. And that's how you can be part of this program. You can facilitate okay, this program. For example, because of that, we can have not room that is less than 90 degrees, which literally the room hit 90 degrees yesterday. Okay, I mean, that last week, the room hit 90 degrees. No, we would be hitting hundreds. Hundreds. Nothing, yeah. yeah, subhanAllah. Now, let's go back to the shooting. And Oz, if you could pull up the latest on the shooting so we could uh, read it out. But today, the topic is... Speech, the speech of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. By the way, the topic is almost like one of the subtopics that we cover here. Every time the topic is written, whatever the topic says for the live stream, that's just one of the topics. We cover like 50,000 topics for every live stream. Okay. Muhammad used to study with Abdul Hakim Murad, and she has to have a dictionary, and you had to write words down. And by the way, your sense of humor become very refined. <laughs> right, like there's sense of humor that's almost like with a fork and knife, and very delicate and fine-tuned sense of humor, right? That Abdul Hakim Murad has, and the joke will make you think. You'll get smarter just hearing his jokes. Okay. All right. Um, what's the update, us on the on the killer? Man. We got to just, to, to respect human life, read something about this killer first. It's multiple. Wait, there's multiple shooters? Um, actually, no, it's like a whole bunch. Fourth of July weekend was marred by violent shootings across the United States. Okay, and it's, and it's not to say, it's, it's what you have to understand certain things. Whatever your leaders do, there's going to be a blowback on all the people. That's just how nation states work. Right? It's how nations work. The blowback is not just directly from those people. Other bad things will happen. That's really the source. Okay. It's not just about, oh, he has access to a gun, blah, blah, blah. Well, why are people gone crazy? That's another question. We're so distant from the Creator. That's why. Right? Don't, don't people have guns in Yemen? I've never seen a school shooting in Yemen. They got... Do you know how much access to weapons they have in Yemen? How about Afghanistan? They got all access to all... You got a farmer, he's got a surface-to-air missile. And he's firing it out from the back of a truck, right? I don't see any school shootings there. Why are people gone nuts? It's because our social fabric's destroyed. Family concept is destroyed. And any connection to a creator that gives you any sense of stability is destroyed. And let me tell you something else. As Muslims, within Islam... Our understanding. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Bil mu'minin ra'uf rahim. 
With the believers, Allah is compassionate and merciful. That means the mu'mineen, they have a special sakina that comes down from Allah. But it's not the same for everybody. The sakina is there, it's in the air almost, you could say. It's being coming down, but that doesn't mean everyone has access to it. The first thing a person has to do is that if you want the sun to go, to come down, there can't be any clouds in the air. There can't be storm clouds. Those storm clouds are misunderstandings in our beliefs about Allah, about qada, qadar, about Iblis. Some people give shaitan too many powers. They just think he has the power to do everything. Okay? No, shaitan has limits. About uh, qadar, and they feel that, well, I'm destined to something bad's going to happen and my dua is never going to be answered. That's a suit of dhan billah, bad opinion of Allah. Or uh, beliefs, uh, uh, the heretical beliefs in aqidah that will completely block the sun. Okay? Now you're positioned correctly as a Muslim to face the sun, but heretical beliefs have blocked the sun. All right, remove heretical beliefs. You could still have lightly incorrect beliefs, like bad opinion of Allah, not understanding His greatness. So you have clouds. So, the, so it's, yeah, there's sun coming through, but it's very cloudy. Now you go out to England in the middle of the day, chances are you go out to Scandinavia in the middle of the day, chances are it's going to be cloudy. So yeah, it's daytime. I don't need to turn the lights on. I, 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 the light, there's enough light that I could avoid the major pitfalls of the road. But is it sunny to the point that I'm happy and it's, um, everyone's in a good mood now? The sun is shining? No. Sun is not shining like that. So when people have light misunderstandings in their aqidah, all right, he's still within Ahl Sunnah, but those light misunderstandings will block out some of the light. That's why, O oh, you who believe, believe. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu, aminu. How do I take that? We should always take that in a positive light. When we go to rectify our aqidah, the more we understand about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, every single true belief about Allah ta'ala, it strengthens you. It gives you more nur. It gives you more confidence. That's why. That's the attitude that I go into study aqidah. You go into study aqidah that any correct belief that I come upon that I wasn't aware of before, it's going to strengthen me. Okay. Like, I, rem- I still remember the day when I eyes came upon the hadith. Nothing repels the bad destiny except dua. And its meaning is it repels it altogether. Allah just erases it from your book. Or it means that it will come down, but it won't harm you. As if you, you, you have an, an umbrella. If the dua is stronger, it's as if you have a tent. If it's stronger, it's a building. Okay? A strong roof. So that, yeah, it's coming down, but it doesn't affect me at all. Not one bit. I'm not affected one bit. It could be raining right now, and we don't get one drop of rain on our body. All right? So every correct piece of aqidah that we study is for us strength, power. It should, you should feel... So energized. Okay? And that's why the ulama said, in tahallat al hidayatu qalban nashitat bil ibadati al adau. If the guidance, which means the truth about Allah and His Messenger, come down to the heart, it settles in the heart, your limbs 
they get activated in the service of Allah. Ibadah. Worship and the service of the creation for the sake of Allah. When you learn and you correct your aqidah about the Prophet ﷺ, every single time that you learn something correct, you should be, you should feel inside the energy. And every time you learn something that's false, and you say, okay, now I disbelieve in that, you should feel a weight. Okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about it as chains that are, that are on you. All of a sudden, I'm free. So the corrector and the sounder, the aqidah, the, the less chains you have on you, which is why we reject all these superstitions and things like that. We're in total rejection of superstitions and these innovations and, and khurafat, etc. They chain you up for no reason. Okay? And then we feel the energy and strength. That's a sign that you've understood something correctly. All right? Of course, the real determiner of correction of what's correct is, is the ulama and the fuqaha when they, and the mutakallimin when they study a matter and they analyze it okay? so that's you got to clear the sky now once the sky is clear what happened? oh the camera might not have battery you guys can hear oh no battery Can they, can, everyone can hear, right? Yeah. Alright. So, we'll just talk. Uh, so, what we have is that you have to clear the clouds so you can get sky, uh, the sunlight to come in. But that doesn't necessitate that we still are going to fully benefit. Alright? How? It's very likely, it's very possible that our heart's not clean. We have a lot of hatred towards people. We got a lot of anger. We have lusts. We have issues. So the soil is not clean. So if it rains pure water and wonderful sun is shining, but the, um, the soil is unclean, you're not going to get the fruits that you're looking for. So you've got to purify your heart. And that's like purifying the soil. All right? You've got to purify that soil. So now once you purify that soil, that purification of the soil is your character. And your character can make you beloved to Allah or not. Abu Hassan al-Shadli said, Oh Allah, make my sins the sins of one you love. And don't make my good deeds the good deeds of one you hate. Right? So this concept, an idea that you have multiple factors here. You got the sun, you got the soil. The more you interact with people of prophetic character, your soil gets better and better and better. Soil gets better and your character gets better and better. We can stick it in in the middle. Now there's a third part. What's the third part? Well, I can have the best soil. I can have the best sun. But I'm not do- I'm getting any rain. No benefit. You have to do ibadah and dhikr. And that's the key. The key, the rain is the ibadah and the dhikr. All right? 
That's the key. So that's our analogy. And that's why we always have to constantly be part doing three things. Rectifying and correcting our aqidah. Yeah, now bring it straight forward. I like it better straight. Rectifying our aqidah. Doing a lot of ibadah. And rectifying our character. A lot of the... And rectifying the character is really important. You can become beloved to Allah just by character. Honestly. Someone's generous. Someone's kind. Someone's forgiving. Someone's clean-hearted. No tricks. No trickery. Like, you're not some kind of person that likes to play games with people. All right? You don't carry grudges. You forgive people easily. You have a generous spirit. That's character. And the best way to have that character... Now, by the way, you can learn a lot of good character traits from people that are not Muslim. Certain things are universal. Why are they universal? The Prophet ﷺ referred to prophets from other lands that came around, that came, right? And the, the qualities that they passed on remained. So... I mean, the kafir and the Muslim will all love generosity, for example. Everyone will love generosity. So if a prophet comes with tawheed and other things, and he also comes with generosity, like the generosity will probably stay, right? Cleanliness, everyone loves cleanliness. So a lot of the habits of prophets, oh, turn a little bit. The, the habits, other way. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. That's good. The habits of prophets... Okay, uh, of, of people you can fix it however you want they will stay even if the aqa'id are lost so that's why and also revelation is not the only source of, of learning every single right and wrong there are certain rights and wrongs that are fitri in nature okay that are fitri in nature so you feel good when you share when someone shares with you, you feel good. You realize sharing is good. So your heart is your fitra is one of your educators. Okay. And when we say this, we should look at the general body of, of, of human behavior. All right. When, wherever you go in the world, if you share, that person's going to smile. I can guarantee you, you land in the Amazon rainforest and I have water and I share it with somebody who I, looks hot. He's going to be happy. Right. I do the same thing up in Russia where they're not really well known for smiling, but I guarantee you they'll be happy. I give him a nice hot drink in a cold day, he's going to be happy. Right? So there's some universals so that nobody says, oh, this stuff is relative. No, there are universals. Okay? Those universals we should take into consideration. That's Allah teaching us. Every single person, I don't care where he is, the first time that he steals his nervous system will react and he's going to be like so upset. And they show it even in the movies that the rookie thief on the night of the bank robbery, the morning of the bank robbery, he's jittering, his knee is moving, he's nervous, right? But the veteran, he's just like sipping a coffee, he's just, he's done it so much. He's killed that messenger from Allah. That in your heart, in your nervous system is a message from Allah. It's built in that you shouldn't do these things. So I'm going to make you nervous. Even animals, subhanAllah, a cat, when it steals something, all right, it goes and eats it, it takes it and it runs and it eats it behind the couch. Whereas if you put it 
yourself for the cat in its plate, it'll eat right in front of you. You notice this? Even the cat, it's built in because we interact with it so much. We learn, we can learn lessons from these animals. We used to have a cat who was the most beautiful cat ever. It was a Bengal. This cat was so beautiful, but it was wild and we couldn't, we had to give it away. We couldn't live with it. Okay. We would put a chicken drum on our uh, one of the kids' uh, high chairs. This cat would jump up, take the ch- chicken drum, and run away and eat it. This cat got so bold, it would go onto the stove and knock off the lid from the stove and just eat from the stove. I said, that's enough. Like, I'm at war every day with him. I'm supposed to be happy with my cat. I'm supposed to come home and the cat would give me happiness, right? Not stress. So we unloaded it. Now, some of these animal rights activists are so crazy. And the cat breeding world, I didn't know this. But the cat breeding world, it's a whole other world. They want to make sure, okay, that nobody really gets into their world without, I guess, their permission or whatever. But I don't know about this world, right? So I put on some... Some social media say, hey, I got a Bengal cat. I'm in Connecticut. Who wants it? Give me 400 bucks. At least I got half my money back, right? So a lady said, I'll, I'll meet you. I'll pay you and I'll give it to you. It's all right. Where are we going to meet? Let's meet at the parking lot of whatever. I meet her there. She gives me a check. I give her the cat, right? Sounds like n- normal human behavior to me, right? I go home. I never cash the check. I just, it just never, I never, didn't get time to. What are you building, Oz? A whiteboard, nice. Okay, so I, we wait, and I get a letter in the mail four days later. Some big organization, right? Animal rights, blah, blah, blah. Illegal to sell a cat. You broke your contract, because I guess when we bought the specialty cat, you have a contract. She was an agent. Really? She was... These people have a life? She was a spy for the Humane Society. That check, if I cashed it, is evidence. But I never cashed it. I didn't cash it because I was... I suspected it and I just never cashed it. Right? And I get the letter. They sent the letter premature. They should have waited till the check cleared. Right? Humane Society that you broke the contract and... You know when you get a cat, they give you a bunch of papers, sign here. I'm getting a cat, right? I don't think this is a big deal. But apparently there's, there's terms in that contract where you're not allowed to resell it. You're not allowed to do other things. You think I'm reading this thing? Right? So we're taking you to court. Okay? So we call this uh, the breeder and we say, listen, okay, Instead of taking us to court, how about we, we get the cat and we send, give it to you back? Of course, she wants to resell it, right? But she gets to resell it. She gets to resell it. That's messed up. That's messed up. But she, she'll never say that, right? She say, yes, if you don't want the cat, I'll keep it here better than be homeless. Obviously, she wants to resell it. So once we did that, then she dropped the case against us. But... I never knew when people say crazy cat lady, no offense to women, obviously, but it is, they are insane. 
and there's something wrong with them. Okay, but that was the issue with the Bengal type, the Bengal cat. cat, cat yeah, yeah. They have the Humane Society, blah blah blah. Okay. In any event, even the cat knows a sense. So, right and wrong is 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 built inside of us, and that it's not just right and wrong. Like we want to be so moral and such goody two shoes. No, the right. And what is correct and in line with Allah, it gives you sakina inside yourself. You, 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 you feel right about things. Okay? So, that's the idea here. How do we even get to this topic? Oh, that's the idea here that the more you learn and you correct your belief, the more the sunlight can come in. And then you, ref- you rectify your character. The good, when you deal with people, it settles in your heart nicely. It feels right, okay? And the bad, hakaf is sadr, okay? It, it scratches in your heart, and you're embarrassed when people talk about it, right? So if, if, if let's say, if Oz, if someone offends me, right? Like I say, Oz. If someone offends me, and then I shoot him a nasty message, okay? I'll willingly tell everyone how much he offended me, but I n- might not necessarily want everyone to see my message that I responded back. That's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. That's a sign that if I'm noble, I wouldn't mind it being public. I wouldn't mind all my communiques being public, if it's noble. So that's the idea here that the Prophet said, one of the ways that you could judge yourself is that if it settles in your heart, okay, and it makes you at peace, and you're not afraid for it to be publicized, and then, then it's good. And we're talking about the heart that is, the Prophet knew who he was talking about, the heart that is of a clean, regular person, not someone who's warped his heart by different sins. Okay. Now the ibadah is the rain. So you have great character, the sun is out, you don't, you don't have rain. Uh, you, you're not watering your, 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 uh, your soil, your plants. So you're not going to benefit. We need ibadah. Okay. We need a better. All right. Let's now turn to the speech of the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Okay. Okay. Hold on a second here. Mm. Okay. The speech of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Short chapter. Kayfa kana kalamu Rasulillah? How did the Messenger speak sallallahu alaihi wasallam? Haddathana Humayd ibn Mas'ada al-Basri, haddathana Humayd ibn al-Aswad an Usama ibn Zayd, an Az-Zuhri, an Urwa. Who is Urwa? Urwa ibn who is Urwa? Urwa is the nephew of Sayyid Aisha. Urwa, son of Zubair. Okay. Zubair, son of Awam, is the husband of Asma. And who is Asma? The sister of Aisha. Okay. So that therefore, Urwa is the nephew of Aisha, Sayyid Aisha. And Sayyid Aisha, therefore, he used to be able to enter in upon Sayyid Aisha with no. Hijab, no barrier. Sayyidah Aisha used to teach the men would sit in the mosque and she would put a barrier in front of her door and she would teach them. 
But Orwa is able to go inside the barrack because he can see his aunt without hijab. Right? So that's why he narrates so much from Sayyidah Aisha and the other Sahaba. They felt, well, he has an edge over, not the Sahaba, sorry, the other Tabi'een. Probably, I guess, the Sahaba too, but they were older by that time. They, the, those, they, they felt jealous of him in a good way because he can walk into the teacher and spend all the time he wants and eat with her and do everything. قالت, Sayyidah Aisha said, ما كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم يسرد كسردكم هذا ولكنه كان يتكلم بكلام بين فصل يحفظه من جلس إليه Now, why does the speech of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam have to be different from our speech? Because the messenger is the first teacher. Okay? He is the first teacher. And he is the only one who can make law. And he's speaking to a simple people. And there is not like today uh, with recording devices. What's the recording device of the Prophet in the Prophet's time? The best recording device, people's memory. Okay? Because if you have recording devices, you actually don't try to remember anymore. People sit in lessons, and as soon as they hit the record button, their attention level drops. I guarantee you. Why? I got the recording. Back your mind, I got the recording. Well, you get home, and guess what? You never listen to the recording. So, if you have no recording, I guarantee you, this is you're going to meet someone one time. You're going to sit down for half an hour, no recording device. You can't go back and ask questions. I guarantee you, your your attention span will be so high. Repeat this over and over. Your memory will be extremely strong as well. Memory is a muscle like anything else; it just can grow and grow and grow. But Sayyidah Aisha said his speech, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, was not like us. It was not constant speech like this. Sard is just constantly going, all right? Flowing, constantly flowing. The Prophet didn't speak like that. This Prophet's speech was always short, precise, and memorable because he wanted you to remember it. And uh, it's amazing to me that all of marketing, when you look at what works in marketing, it's just like this, all right? Something short, the words are easy to remember, it's got a ring to it, okay? And you repeat it over and over and over. And the Prophet ﷺ used to repeat something three times. I mean, think of all the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. It has a, a punchiness to it. An ease to it. إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَّاتِ People don't talk like that. So the Messenger's speech is unique. So much so that some hadith scholars... Are, they have read the Prophet's speech so much, okay? So much they have heard his speech that when they hear a false hadith, they know it's false. When they hear a false hadith, there's no way the Prophet said this, right? SubhanAllah. So they, the Prophet's speech is distinct, just as the Quran is distinct. I can recite to you anything to somebody who is, let's say, Persian or does not speak any Arabic, but is a Muslim. And I can recite to him a verse, and he will know this is not Quran. A verse, meaning just like a line of anything. 
He'll, I guarantee you, nine out of ten times, he'll tell you that's Quran, that's not Quran. Because it, you know what it sounds like. So likewise, the Prophet's speech, you know what it sounds like. So by making the Quran unique and making these hadith of the Prophet wasallam unique, we now know and we have an idea and a concept of what his speech is like and what the Quran is like. Okay? So the Prophet's speech was always short, clear, word for word, memorable, because he is the first teacher. Okay? And his word must be memorized. His word is law for us. It must be memorized. Okay. Next hadith says, Haddathana Abu Qutayba, Salm ibn Qutayba, عن عبد الله بن المثنى عن ثمامة عن أنس بن مالك. Of course, we know Anas ibn Malik served the Prophet from age 10 to 20 and then lived 100 years after the passing of Sayyid al-Kawnayn sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The Messenger of Allah كان يعيد الكلمة ثلاثا لتعقل عنه. He would repeat the word three times. He would repeat what he's saying three times. So that people can understand this word that he utters is religion. It's law. It's not like anyone else's word. Okay. That's why. And from Abi Hala, who is Hind ibn Abi Hala? Hind ibn Abi Hala is the son of a Sayyidah Khadija. Sayyidah Khadija had two husbands before the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Abu Hala was one of those men. Hind ibn Abi Hala is Khadija's son. So what does that make him? The Prophet's stepson. So what does that make? No, it's a male. Yeah. And what does that make? Um, what does that make him? Okay. Stepson of the Prophet. And what does that make him to Fatima Zahra? Half brother. Same mom. So what does that make him to Hassan and Hussein? Uncle. Maternal uncle of Hassan and Hussein. Ibn li Abi Hala an al Hassan. And his kunya was Abu Abdullah. Okay. And his name was Hind. And Al Hassan says, I asked my uncle, Hind ibn Abi Ala. Okay? And he was a wasaf. What is a wasaf? A wasaf is like a version of a news reporter in the old days. A wasaf is someone who's really good at describing people. So they have a vocabulary, right, for describing noses. Eyes, eyebrows, like there's eyebrows are different. Some eyebrows are straight with a slight curve. Other eyebrows are like mountain peaks. Sometimes the mountain peaks at the middle, which is pretty odd, but most times it's like three quarters away on the side. So it's, it goes up and then down. Sometimes it's the eyebrow is a nice curve. Okay. Sometimes you have the AD, okay, the unibrow, Anthony Davis. Okay. Sometimes you have um, noses that are straight. Sometimes there's a bump at the top. Sometimes it's rounded or pointed. The nostrils can be skinny or wide. Right? The front part, we said, is skinny or pointed. So there's a, there was safin. 
The hair can be described as curly or straight or in the middle. Okay? The forehead can be described as small, or large, slanted, or curved. Like every baby, why are babies cute? Because they have a curved, big curved forehead, right? Because the brain, the, 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 the skull, if I'm understanding correctly, is, it is the way it is. I don't think, does the skull grow? Yeah. Yeah, it does grow, right? But the skull, in proportion to a baby, is bigger than the skull in proportion to an adult, yeah. right? So it's going to expand a little less, the rest of the body. The eyeballs are the same size for all. Like once your eyeballs never grow. That's why babies have big eyes. When they're an adult, everything else grew, but the eyes didn't, so he looks like a small eyes. Okay? So they have all these descriptions. Now, jaws have description too. Some people's jaws are like this way. Some people's are down. Some people's are weak. Some people's are strong. Right? So they have all... He was a wasaf. And when he uh, gave a wasf, his, uh, his uh, nephew, Al-Hasan, of course, Sayyidina Al-Hasan, Ibn Ali, he said, describe the Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And he specified, Mantiqa, the speech of the Messenger of Allah. You notice, Mantiq is speech, and it's logic. It's the word for logic. Why? Because speech, make, is not, it's not speech if it makes no sense. So if I said, even, even in the Arabic grammar, right, Al-Kalam huwa al-Murakkab al-Mufid bil-Wad, al-Mufid, that means I'm not waiting for more. So if I say red table, you're like, what else? Red table on top of. Aren't you waiting for more? So it's not mufid. Right? So mantiq is speech. And some people are just so upset. Let me just tell you, if you want to be a logical person, real easy, I'm going to give you two rules. Right? Two rules. Any statement that somebody gives you, if you apply two simple rules, and this has to go with, these are the rules of interpretation for everything. For Quran, for Hadith, for Fiqh. The basic rule of interpretation. What does every word mean? This is like identity. What is the identity of this word? Put the cup on the table. Uh, get me a cup. If someone says get me a cup, anything that you get that's called the cup should work. Right? So if I say get me a glass. Now, this doesn't work as a glass, right? So, every word has to have an identity and a, a set meaning, right? Then, within any proposition, any statement, any string of words, you have to see if this sentence contradicts itself. It cannot contradict itself, right? It cannot possibly contradict itself, right? And if it does, then the speaker is mistaken. It's an illogical statement. It's an invalid. Okay? It's invalid. Get me a square with, with five sides. Right? Go get me a cube or a square. Draw me a, a, square, a square with five sides. I can't do that. Right? So I know what draw means. I know what a square is. And he can't come and tell you, oh, my type of square has five sides. He said, no. You don't get to redefine the, what the word square is. Okay? So, this is the idea here. Very simple use of logic is two laws of logic. Okay? And there's a third law, which you can add to that. That means, if I want A, then I don't want negative A. Okay? So, if I say there's a fork in the road, go right. What does that mean? 
It also means don't go left, right? It necessitates don't go left. So use logic and words. Sometimes when I tell you know, people to do something or my kids to do something, and they say, well, I didn't understand. I said, well, what, what words did I utter? Just think about the words that I uttered and fulfill it. If I didn't specify something, anything of that category works. Go get me a cup. If I don't specify what cup, if he brings me a paper cup, it's valid. If he brings me a glass cup, it's valid. If he brings me a mug this big, it's anything called cup, right, is valid. So that's the idea here of, of using basic logic and, and being very good at using that and not being fooled, okay? And that's where, honestly, people who don't, you might be surprised. This very basic three principles of mantuk, many people don't use them, and they're very educated in other things. That's where misunderstanding comes from. That's where misunderstandings happen. Stephen Hawking, he says, the universe can and will create itself from nothing due to the existence of the law of gravity. There's like multiple illogicalities in that because the word create implies non-existence, right? To be created implies non-existence. But to be the creator implies existence. How could you exist and not exist at the same time? Okay. How could you say nothing can create itself from nothing when you then say, due to the existence of the law of gravity? Right? Because, his actual statement is, because there is a law of gravity, the universe can and will create itself from nothing. How could it create itself? That means it exists and not exists at the same time. But from nothing, but you just said because there's a law of gravity. And what is a law of gravity? So here's, here's the next level of logic. at talazum as you asked me about that the other day and you brought up that subject, it's such an importance. Telezum. What does telezum mean? If you use a word, that word, you have to ask, what are the prerequisites of that word? Because we have to admit that existence too. So if he says law of gravity, well, what's a law? The law is a repeated observation about two material objects. Like every single time I drop an object, it goes down. Every single time. Like we could sit here doing this forever. Unless someone brings a jinn with sihr, that thing is not coming down, uh, going up. It's always coming down. What you drop will always go down. Unless there's an exception. Okay? In every normal circumstance, if you drop something, that's a law. Between two or more material objects. So when you said the word law of gravity, how could there be a law without material things? You cannot have a law of gravity without objects. And you're telling us there's nothing. So I this... At least two objects. And the moment a material thing comes into existence, what else comes into existence? Time. Time does not exist without matter. Okay. So, a logician from Oxford, who happens to be a Christian, who doesn't believe in his thesis, he believes in God, he literally refuted and tore him apart, literally, in, in ten pages. And I, you can summarize those ten pages in what I just said. Because there is a law of gravity, the universe can and will create itself. There are th- three clear. And I once and I said this to my, uh, one of my kids to test them. See if uh, I'm transmitting this uh, astroidism well or not. They d- diced it up. You know, like there's a karate and he has a little kid and the kid does karate too. They're like, wow, he passed it on well, right? They diced it up. Okay? How he just didn't observe the basics of logic, right? Now, you can, in the world, many people don't understand this, you can be so amazing in one topic and so 
abysmal in another topic. Go and get the best chess player in the world and ask him to throw a basketball. Throw a football. He can't do it, right? Chances are. Go and get the best runner in the world, throw him in a pool. Maybe he's not good at swimming, right? So, just because someone's great at one thing does not mean that they can't be absolutely, utterly abysmal at something else. Okay? So, that's a little aside on the importance and the utilization of mantuk and how it's connected to the word speech. When we hear speech, we like it to make sense. Okay? Otherwise, you get upset. Okay? You're, you're, this is another fit that you think. Speech that makes no sense, you get upset. Right? And, and professors, you know what professors, their kibbut is based on? Any academic, they, and even scholars of Islam, they can have kibbut. Imam al-Haddad goes off on the mutakabbirin. He says, mutarassimina bil-ilm. They're fake scholars. He said they, they have one trick. They invent mustalahat and use them in front of people who don't know them. That's all it is. They invent terminology, technical terminology. They learn technical terminology, then use it in front of people who don't know those terms. Is that anything else what academics do? That's exactly what an academic will do, right? And if you don't understand these terms, he thinks you're dumb. It's just a word you made up, right? Us three here, we can come up, and this is what cults do all the time, come up with our own inside jokes, come up with our own terminology, come up with our own this, that, and the other, and then use them in front of a stranger. We'll make that stranger you know, feel like a loser. That's, what, that's all they do, right? That is all they do. Okay? And they roll their eyes, and, and then they come up with forms of speech. Okay? You can't even talk in front of them anymore. Because when, you know, when we talk, I, when I, I talk, I like to talk in a sentence that people can understand. When they talk, they like to have sentences with multiple conditions inside the sentence, right? And they like to name things. Like if, if, an, yeah, if an author, let's say uh, Tolstoy or Tolkien, let's say. I like the guy, Tolkien. Let's say Tolkien. Uh, if he referred to something in a certain way and then that person wants to use the same reference, like let's say... Tolkien talked about, he, he made a, a universe, right? So they'll say, or a world, a fake world. They'll say, in a Tolkienian world, right? So you'll have to know what Tolkien meant and how he created a world that was unique to understand what that phrase was. Yeah. And they will use so many that you will have to, at some point, ask what it is. But you can't ask. If you ask, you look like an idiot, right? They want you to not understand. And I said to this, look, Allah loathes these people. So he made them speak in a way that nobody understands. <laughs> That's my philosophy on these people, right? Of course, when I generalize, I'm just generalizing. I'm sure that there are some wonderful academics out there who are really nice people, right? Maybe like one in every 10,000. So the speech of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam was never like this. It was never in a way that people could not understand. Unless there was one word that he wanted you to ask about. And to, inf- insure, uh, and, and to ensure that, he always defined it later. Okay? For example, why would the Muslims be defeated and utterly destroyed by other nations and cut up in Akhir zaman in the end of time? The Prophet said, Al-Wahn, weakness. That's so general. Right? Weakness of what? Weakness of body? Weakness of numbers? Weakness of swords? So... He said that, wanting the Sahaba to ask that question. And they said, وَمَا الْوَهْنُ يَوْمَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ 
What is the weakness? Like, what is the source of this weakness? He says, Love of dunya and hatred of death. Now, the Prophet ﷺ was mutawasil al ahzan. He was always in a state of contemplation. You found him, he was contemplating something. Al ahzan here does not mean sadnesses, it means deep contemplation because he looks like you're sad. Right? He looks, you're pensive. The right word is pensive. The pensive person, you say, what's wrong? Right? It looks like he's sad, but he's not. Yeah. He's just thinking. Da'im al-fikra. Always being thoughtful. He's always in a thoughtful state. Laysat lahu raha. And he describes laysat lahu raha here that he never uh, is free from thought like we do sometimes at the end of every day. And the Prophet ﷺ did have uh, a sense of when he says laysat lahu raha, it means he, he, he doesn't have long periods where he's not pensive and thoughtful. So at the end of every day, we do have a concept of al musamara. Musamara is to sit with your family and unwind yourself. Here, can you click on buttons to see if to get this thing back? Because like we're like dying here. The point of all this investment. Get this HVAC guy over here and make him fix this thing. So we come at the end of the night, and I don't know about you, but I think everybody who life you know gets a little bit longer, gets a big, you're you're getting older. Okay, you live a bit longer. You start piling on responsibilities, right? To the idea that your responsibilities will weigh you down at the end of the day, all you want to do is basically deflate your brain. And you all will reach that. It doesn't mean you're upset. Just like, I got a lot of responsibilities. I'm always, like, there's never a rest. I don't know when the last time I woke up, and I'm sure many of you agree with this. When was the last time I woke up and literally just had nothing to do. No, for me, the moment you wake up, it's go time. And there's one thing after another, after another, after another, after another, after another, until the end of the day, okay? And when everyone's, you know, finally up into, uh, uh, away in bed, then you can deflate your brain. I think all adults do this. I never understood my parents when they used to say, all I want to do is sit down and have a cup of tea. I was like, how fun is that? That's lame, right? But you reach that, okay? You reach that point. You ask any adult right now, what is the value? I'm going to give you a quiet room, a bowl of cereal, and a remote control, right? Ask him. His face will light up, right? Because that's just you want to deflate your brain at the end of the day, okay? Okay? That means the Prophet ﷺ used to spend long periods of time silent. Okay. He used to spend long periods of time in silence. He used to enjoy the silence and enjoy taking a rest uh, from speech. Okay. He doesn't speak for no reason. Right? He doesn't talk for no reason. And because every word that he uttered is law. So he does not speak when there's no reason. Every speech that he would give, every time he would say something, he would remember Allah first and remember Allah at the end. 
This is the biggest gift the Prophet was given. It's called Jawami al-Kalim. Jawami al-Kalim is that the Prophet was given the ability to gather many, many meanings in very few words. And how does that happen? That happens by the Messenger sometimes removing a word. For example, when the Prophet says, actions are by intentions. Isn't there something missing here? Actions are what by intentions? What are actions by intentions? Actions are legally valid by intentions? Actions are rewardable by intentions? Like, what are they? Actions actually literally take place because of intentions. Such that if an insane person was to commit murder, he's not a murderer. That is not murder. He's majnoon. He's innocent. Right? Yes, maybe we lock him up for the safety of people, but he is innocent. Because he didn't intend it. If I fall asleep and I knock you know, something over that hurts somebody, there's no intention there. So, actions literally happen by intentions, are legally valid by intentions, are rewardable by intentions, to the degree of your intention. Just like the analogy we gave, to the degree that your sky is clear, your soil is pure, and you, and your water, and you water your plants, you will get a result. Like, speaking in the worldly terms, it is impossible not to get a result. Okay? Of course, yes, we know that Allah can cause that not to happen. But in the worldly ada, the, 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 the customs that we're accustomed to, okay, it's impossible not to get a result. If your seed is sound, your soil is sound, the sun is coming down, and you water that plant, the plant will grow. Okay? As a ada. And it will come into fruition, and it will bring you a... Um, uh, okay, Maham is going to watch Wimbledon, I guess. What did she say? Is that what is that emoji? Oh, uh, who was in? I don't even know who's a star tennis player these days. Okay. Wimbledon. Wimbledon is one of the big uh, tennis tournaments. Tennis is actually, you know, you know what? Um, just as a side note, if you ever like, you need to clean the house or something, and you just want some noise, put on a tennis match, like old YouTube tennis match. The the volleys of the ball, right? will actually put you in a meditative state. Anyway, that's a little uh, thing about tennis there. That's my thing about tennis. Um, so this the idea here about the jawami al-kalim and how innam al-a'malu bin-niyat has so many meanings because the Prophet removes something. So the human hand is an example of this in the, uh, in the sense that if you had a long thumb you wouldn't be able to do a lot of things. Right? By making the thumb short and off, you're able to do everything. Right? It's opposed to all the other fingers. It's not even fully opposed. If you notice, it's diagonal. Okay? So, that's the idea that the Prophet ﷺ, he was able to cause many meanings to have, uh, or be in a few words, by removing a word from it. And there are other techniques that the scholars talk about. His speech is cut up, which means that there wasn't long speeches. Do you know that if I, if I go and um, if I go and I give the Prophet's khutbah, 
at Jamal one day, people would be like confused. It is so short. The Prophet's Jamal Khutbas. It's extremely short. Kalamuhu Fasl. His speech is short. Why? So people can memorize it. La fudulun wa la There's nothing extra and there's nothing left out. Laysa bil jafi muhin. Let's see how it translates Jafi Walal Muhin. Laysa bil Jafi Walal Muhin. Oh, now he's talking about himself, not the speech. The Prophet himself is not dry towards people, nor does he put people down. What is the Jafi? He's dry towards you. Like, this is part of Aqidah. In a sense, it's, it's Shama'il of the Prophet, but it's a belief, right? It is impossible, thank you, All right, that any Muslim, Sahabi, go to visit the Messenger of Allah, then feel dryness from him. Like, you can go sit with someone that you've loved, and that person just sits there and gives you no love. That's why we're saying any true belief energizes you. Big time. Gives you a lot of energy. Because there's so much love there. that it's, Imagine yourself. There's, it's impossible for you to go to the Prophet ﷺ and he doesn't sort of respond back to you with more love than you're giving. That is an impossibility. Okay. Unless that person has done something terrible. But if they've done something terrible and they come with a broken heart, it's as if they didn't do anything bad. In fact, that's beloved to the Prophet too. So much that he said, The repentant from the sin is as if someone who has no sins. So that's why I'm saying, when you learn the deen, you should definitely feel this himma and this nashat. When you learn something about the nature of Allah and His Messenger, or the description of akhirah, or the power of dua, the generosity of Allah, the, the love of the Messenger for His ummah. And He will never put you down. You should never imagine. Nobody, it is su'adhan bin, bin, bin Rasul sallallahu alayhi You can have su'adhan with people. Su'adhan, bad opinion. Su'adhan means bad opinion. Su' is bad and dhan is speculation. You'd have a bad opinion of Allah, bad opinion of the Prophet Okay, Bad opinion of the Prophet to think that he'll ever put anyone down. The Prophet never put people down. Okay. Yu'adhimu and ni'mah. He makes the blessing, he aggrandizes the blessing even if it's small. And that's why I love the saying of, it's a saying, an old man and a lady's about to take him to the nursing home. Welcome to the nursing home, sir. Are you ready to see your new room? The man says, yes, I love it. It's beautiful. She says, sir, I haven't shown you the room yet. He said, I know, but I've already decided I'm going to love it. The attitude of the Messenger وسلم, was described by one of the Sahaba as He loves optimism. Okay? I don't see that somebody is down except they actually want to be down. Now, set aside exceptions. Don't come like my kid, the kids' class that I teach. I, I teach some kids Sunday mornings, Right? And these kids have like this habit that I had to change. Every single time I say something, they have to bring a far off exception. 
Okay. So, for example, I would say, in Salah, it is haram to break your prayer for no reason. Okay? What do they have to say? They must. Somebody must say, what if there's a German shepherd chasing after you? They have to bring something. Finally, I have to sit down and say, listen, when when I speak, I'm saying something general. Don't bring me some far-off exception, right? Okay? If you start an effort of fast, you have to finish it. What if you're dying? Okay. <laughs> All right. They have to bring an exception. So when we speak, there are always one exception. For example, the Prophet called Abu al-Hakam Abu Jahl. He renamed the wise. He renamed him the ignorant. Abu doesn't mean, always mean father of. Okay. It, it's just a, a descriptor. Okay. So the wise man, Abu al-Hakam, he called him Abu Jahl, the ignorant. So don't say, oh, well, here he's putting something. No, that's actually clarifying. Anytime that the Prophet comes up with a name for somebody, it's to clarify and to make people not like him because he's a source of harm to the community. Okay. When, we, when you come up with a poison, do you go and give poison a wonderful, beautiful name? Like flowerous, medicinous, you know? No. You come up with a name that's not good, Right? That alarms you. So you put a cross. If there's rat poison in, 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 in something, you put a cross and a skull. You don't put a flower. Right? So that's why naming something with a bad name has a value. So keep, people can stay away from it. Okay? That's why like, one of the reasons like the problems of today's even like movies and stuff, bad guys are awesome. That's the problem <laughs> with movies, right? Like Bane. The whole movie, I'm rooting for Bane, right? In that entire movie, I was rooting for Bane, right? Uh, Ra's al Ghul, what a cool name. I'm rooting for this guy, right? Meanwhile, Batman's cave is dark, right? He's always in a, like, he's never smiling. So, from the evil of people is that they make the bad guys look good. You root for the bad guys. You don't root for the good guys anymore, right? So, he aggrandizes a blessing. Nobody, when I say nobody who wants to be miserable, most of these people, they're miserable because they want to be. Whether they know it or not, they're choosing misery. So don't give me some crazy off example. Oh, what if his mom just died? No, leave off the exceptions. In general, some guy wakes up and is in a bad mood and he stays in a bad mood because he wants to stay in a bad mood. Or he doesn't know that you can actually get yourself out of a bad mood. And the way is that says, someone says, how are you doing? Say, great. And then think of something to make the day great. You'll start feeling great. But some people love the sympathy. I hate people who want sympathy. Like, I despise, despise somebody who is a sympathy seeker. Okay? I will tolerate sympathy seeking from a child up to a certain age towards his mom and dad. Right? Give them sympathy. Because if he doesn't get sympathy there, where is he going to get it? He's going to go to somebody else, right? Until you teach him to stop this habit. Okay. I despise when someone writes an open letter in the Washington Post about a sob story. Unless there's an oppressor you're going after. And you're saying, he oppressed me. But even still, the tone, the tone of, of oh, I'm just so miskeen. I'm just, I need everyone to cry. I know everyone's sympathy. Even if I'm, if I'm outing an oppressor, I can out an oppressor 
and publicly, because I, I can't prove anything against him, he covers his tracks, he's an oppressor of many people, their only way is to get him in the court of public opinion. There's precedence for that in the Sunnah, by the way. I can do it without attracting sympathy. So I say, listen, people, I'm good. I don't need anyone's sympathy here, but this guy is an oppressor. This guy does this, this, and this. But the tone of so much literature these days is the tone of sympathy-seeking and whining. And it just drives me nuts. Okay? I despise every ounce of that. Okay? Pick yourself up. Let me sympathize with you. But you, not, don't pull the sympathy out of me. I will sympathize with you. right? I will support you. But don't come with some fake tears and some weakness. Nobody respects weakness. Okay? Remind me of one time there was a, a guy walking. Okay? And he saw a bird. Little bird this big. Coming and chirping at him. And he could tell by the look of the bird, this is an aggressive chirp. This is not the bird chirping a nice, beautiful song. Then he's like, what's up with this bird? Then he looked, and he found a nest in a bush that was on the way. She's protecting her, her flock of birds, or her little bird nest. It's like, subhanAllah. Even like a little bird that I could step on. A little nest that I could destroy. And this bird is putting up a fight. We respect that as a human being. Here we go. He does not blame or say bad things about anything. Anything. Okay? Of the blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, wake up. Oh, my back. Oh, my this. Would you stop whining? You can find in YouTube how to fix your back. Right? Save up money, go for acupuncture. Change your mattress. Right? You ever see people? I'll tell you what kills me. People will moan in salah. You ever see someone coming up from salah? From sujood? You cannot be that out of shape. And you're offending Allah. He's coming up. Ah! Oh, right? <laughs> He's coming up from sujood like that. Are you some kind of like 90-year-old man that to justify you're acting like this? Okay? So this, these are habits of weakness. And I remember reading from one of the Syrian scholars. And he's more of a preacher than a scholar. His name is Ratib al-Nabulsi. He's a preacher. He is not a faqih that gives fatawa and speaks about ilm al-kalam. And he says, okay, listen to the speech of people. So much of it reflects bad opinion of Allah and weakness. And giving up. So much of it. Okay? What are we going to do? All this type of weak talk okay, that people have. What are we going to do? What is the world? All this like talk of dismal. So it's your choice. Yet the Prophet wasallam never, okay, never once acted like this. You never knew. And by the way, there is some moaning that is permissible. If you're really sick, you're allowed to moan. And that moaning is the dua of the sick. You should intend it as a dua of the sick. 
It's called al-awah, right? Al-awah, okay? So it's someone who is ah, ah, doing that. And even in some of the tafsir, they say, Ibrahim innahu awah, is that he's always calling for Allah. You're allowed to show weakness and seek the sympathy of Allah. That, it's where it's appropriate, because he's the one who can solve your problems. He's the one who can make you feel good. I don't want to hear you from you because I'm weak. I can't support you. I literally cannot. I'm not a good caretaker. I can't support you. I can't lift up. I can't do that emotional thing that you're looking for me. I can't feel that. And I don't think any human being can feel that. And that love that you have is a selfish love, right? You're using people. You're using, using, using. You're sucking them dry. But the creator, you should be able to do that. Okay? You should be able, you should whine to your creator. Moan to your creator, complain to your creator. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This is what we're taught. Don't do it to the creation. Nobody wants to hear your whining. Okay? And nobody will respect you. But with your creator, it's ibad. It's a good thing to do with your khalaq. Okay? Well, would you say like most Yeah. I, I don't mind outing an oppressor and say, listen, I was abused. This is, I'm fine. I don't need your some, um, uh, emotional support. I don't need your sympathy. I don't want your sympathy. Okay? It offends me for you to give me your sympathy. Let people give you sympathy from themselves, but don't ask for it. And don't insinuate it. Okay? With your tone of voice and the words that you write. And you can out an oppressor. Okay? Okay? Yeah, I don't know what's up with the camera, but we'll fix it. Next. غير أنه لم يكن يذم ذواقا ولا يمدحه. Now, when it comes to speech, okay, the Prophet never used to blame or say anything bad about food, nor praise it. He used to never say anything bad about food, and at the same time, he would never praise the food. Okay? He would never say, he wouldn't talk about, about food. Okay? Now, when I say, again, here's an example. When we say the Prophet would not show weakness, we're saying in normal circumstances. So don't bring me, oh, his child died and he, he wept. Of course, that's not what, don't bring an exception. When there's general speech, okay, do not bring an exception. Yes, the Prophet ﷺ wept, and that weeping is totally acceptable, all right? For the Prophet ﷺ is showing us that it's acceptable and normal. And if your kid dies and you don't cry, something wrong with you, okay? But we're talking about the normal day-to-day life of the Messenger ﷺ. And if you missed what I said earlier, what I said earlier was, when there's a general talk, you don't bring some far-off exception. Okay? We're in podcast mode, but that's fine. Listen, وخلاص. وَلَا تُغْضِبُهُ الدُّنْيَا وَلَا مَا كَانَ لَهَا The Prophet ﷺ was never upset about the dunya. He would never get angry because of the dunya. He'd never get angry because of some matter of this world and this life. 
فإذا تعدي الحق لم يقم لغضبه شيء حتى ينتصر له But if the truth was trampled nobody could stand in his way Okay Nobody can stand in his way Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Until he gained victory for the haq Which is for other people Or for Islam The truth Any haq But not his own haq He did not get angry for himself He does not ever get angry for his own nafs nor does he give victory for his own nafs. He doesn't seek victory for his nafs. If he points, he points with his whole hand. He never points like this. The Prophet did not point like this. To a person. He would point like this. With his whole, his whole hand. And if he would be astonished by something, he'd turn his hand like this. Okay, if he was astonished by something. Ajib. Okay. Samira Noreen says a good thing. She says, Dikr has greater relief than therapists. Sometimes a therapist is good if they're walking you through a problem. Like, what's making you angry? And sometimes these therapists and counselors, they really do get... I mean, like a guy like, a guy like R. Kelly, he needed a therapist a long time ago. Right, and he was raped as a child by his uncle, and he had no dad. He told his brother, Our, "My uncle rapes me." His his brother said, "No, that doesn't happen." So he never told his mom, and he felt powerless. Well. If the powerless internalize their powerlessness, they will tend to victimize somebody else to gain that power back. What is our Islamic perspective on this? Anytime that there is an oppressor, we never view that oppressor as being an autonomous being. That oppressor is a test being sent upon us by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And our greatest strength will come out of fighting this test. You want to be, have a power and a strength that nobody else has? Where is it going to come from? Your tribulation. But you cannot overcome your tribulation if you view your oppressor as some autonomous being. Okay? Some autonomous being that's doing it to you and taking your power away from you. No. This person is just a tool that Allah is testing me by. It could be because of my sins, then I have to repent. Maybe I don't have sins. He's strengthening me. He's purifying me. I'm going to get stronger through this trial. That's the mentality we go by. And then, I had a debate one time with a therapist. She said, yes, but some people can't handle it. I said, Show me, prove it to me. That is a choice, and it's a claim. How do you prove you can't handle it? Right? Yeah, okay, if I can't handle it, I'll go crazy. Right? I'll be in denial for a period of time. But if you keep feeding the idea, I can handle this. I can handle this. It might take me a while to get to handling it. But I, you must keep watering the belief. This is a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I can and will handle this and grow out of this. 
you will grow out of it if you keep watering that idea. But if you come with the start point that I can't handle this, you've already lost. But you created that starting point. There is no way to prove it. It's all choice. Right? Yes, I might be now in, I'm reeling now. Like, it's so bad, I'm off my mind, my, my, my st- stability now for a moment. Okay. And it might take me a while, but eventually I will get there. But I must keep watering that belief that this trial, this person, they're not an autonomous being. And they didn't take anything away from me that was not willed to be taken away from me. And therefore, I don't become powerless. I don't lose anything. I'm being tested by Allah. My strength will come from handling this test. The strength of the ummah right now will be to handle its enemies. And if we start believing and we treat Israel and uh, the Zionists and the Chinese Communist Party and the BJP in India and the French government and all these and the, and the, and the American industrial com- military industrial complex and all that and we start treating it as if it's a real, it's a autonomous things, no. We are an ummah that has so parted from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's way that Allah is sending all of these enemies upon us to rectify us. And for those who get rectified, it's a purification and an elevation of their rank. And who those who choose the way of sins, it's more punishment for them. That's it. Nobody has stripped the Ummah of Islam of anything. Oh, they destroyed the Ottoman Empire. They came and they colonized us. They pit us against one another. They didn't do anything. All of that is a reflection of the sins and the torment that we attracted collectively as an Ummah because of our sins. That's the analysis of things. Okay. Next. Right. If he speaks, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he used to touch if he would speak and be amazed, he used to touch his other hand with his thumb like this. He used to touch his hand with his thumb when he spoke. Either tahaddatha it tasalabiyah. Wa daraba birahatihi al-yumna batna ibhamihi al-yusra. He would be touching the inside of his palm with his thumb. Wa idha ghadiba a'rada wa ashah. If he became upset with a person, the Prophet would become upset with a person. He would turn away from this person and he would ignore that person completely. Okay? Ignore that person completely. Okay? Or he would forgive that person. Okay? If he was very happy, he would put his eyes down in happiness. All of his laughter was smiling. Okay? All of his laughter was smiling. He never laughed with noise. Okay. And when the Prophet ﷺ would smile, his teeth would glitter and shine like hailstones. Hail is uh, white stones that come down. It's different than snow. Sometimes they also call it barad. Okay, it's hailstones or bright white rocks of snow. 
Okay. All right. Let's now turn to... We didn't do open QA. Today we do an open QA, but we'll try to keep with the topic. But if you want to do open QA... And the first question is the Baha'i B. When you go no contact on a family member, does that mean you have broken contact ties with that family? Simply not calling them is not breaking ties. The breaking of ties is the intent to never talk to this person again. Nabila says, could, you, could it also be that those who can't handle it need good company and know they are valued as humans? I am reminded of a podcast about the importance of Jama'ah. Yes, correct. And um, uh, the, I really truly believe that people can change certain things unless you're giving me something like you can't. There, things like trauma, for example. If someone's got a broken arm, you can't mentally fix that. You need to fix it. But certain things are unseen to us. Okay, that's where I don't expect. I don't accept those conclusions. What is up with our camera today, man? Unreal. It's overheating? That's insane. That is insane. Uh, this book that I'm reading from is the Shema'il al-Tirmidhi. Anytime you go to meccabooks.com and type in coupon code Safina. Okay? Coupon code Safina. And you'll get a, a discount from that. Caitlin says, what if you have and made constant dua for a long time? No ijaba. What do we do? What is a long time? What's a long time? Sayyidina Nuh did dawah for 950 years. What is a long time? 15 years? 5 years? 2 years? There was a woman. I'm not going to say names, of course, obviously. She would literally whine and complain all the time to everybody. You say, hey, how's it going? She'll stop you for 30-minute complaint session. I'm not even kidding you. 30, 20, 30 minutes complaint session. And she had valid reasons to complain. I finally said to myself, you know what? The more I listen, I'm actually doing an oppression to this woman. She would see me at the masjid. I said, look, why don't you tell me what's good? Why don't you sit and talk for 30 minutes about what's good? Talk for 30 minutes about what power you have. You have, you have powers. You have ability. Of course, not, we're not talking theologically. Nobody has power but Allah. But, the, but in the world of Ada, the customary world that we live in, you have the ability to walk with your feet, talk, say things, read things. You have abilities. You have so many abilities. Right? And I just got upset. And she was like, wow, no one has ever talked to this person like that again, uh, in that way. But it took time. It took time. And now I would say this person is normal, completely normal, right? They've learned the habit, the muscle of answering the question, what's good? What power do I have? I, have a, I can do a lot of things, right? Other day, a guy need, uh, was $10,000 short from buying something. So he said, man, what the heck am I going to get at $10,000? I said, you're asking the wrong question. There's a lot of ways to get $10,000. You could sell something, right? You could do a lot of different things. There's a lot of ways to make $10,000. If you can make $5 on something, you can make $10,000, right? 
Repeat that thing 200 times, right? What's five times 200? A thousand. Repeat it 5,000 times, right? And you make $10,000. If you can make $10, repeat that 100 times. Okay, or, or, or 100 times. Uh, how many times? If you can make $10, repeat that 1,000 times. So it's doable. Is there a six-hour rule for forgiveness? Where did that come from? Yes. The Prophet said the angel of... The angel of... Um, sins does not write your sin down for a quarter of a day. If you make Tawbah in a quarter of a day, then your sin is forgiven. He doesn't write it down at all. Is there a specific dua you feel make that has helped you immensely? I would say that the dua that helps immensely is Surah Al-Duha. Surah Al-Duha is all optimism. Surah Al-Nashrah is optimism. Optimism. is optimism. Salah on the Prophet will literally remove your depressions from you, your anxieties and your fears. That's the promise of the Messenger. And then it's there. There are you have to do certain things in the world. There's esbab, and thoughts can be esbab. Like what's good? What can I physically do? I can walk. I can apply for a job. I can get an education. Okay. Muhammad Saud, please answer Sophia's question. Let's see what is Sophia's question. Let's zoom up. My pending question, if that's okay. It's work-related, so I'd really like to hear how we should understand women empowerment for Muslim women. Empowerment comes from the ability to remove harms from yourself. If we think about empowerment. That's an, an, the, the ability to remove dependencies as well. That's how I understand what the word empowerment means. Okay. And the question was, okay, yeah, that question she was saying, women's empowerment. That's what I understand what empowerment is. So if there's a woman being abused, let's say, in her home, empowerment is the ability to get out of that abuse. Right. So the ability to learn, how do I get a khula? Khula is a woman's initiated divorce. The ability to ensure that I'm not going to lose my kids. Because in, even in the sharia, a woman, the mom will get the kids, the girls until the girl gets married, the, will get the son until puberty, the son goes to the dad. But if the woman remarries, then her kids go to her mom. Because the Sharia would not want, would prefer the girl to live with her grandma and grandpa, blood relatives, rather than her mom and a stepdad. The stepdad could still, it's not the same, right? So the Sharia says that, and, and by the way, these are rules that can be flexed, okay? So that's how I view empowerment. It's the ability for me to remove harms from me, right? And not depend on others. So the idea here that when we look at, um, for example, the internet has empowered many people. It's taught you to seek knowledge. 
right? It, it allows you to seek knowledge. Why don't we charge the other camera for a while, right? We charge that one for like 10, 20 minutes. And then this one, this one keeps, it's going to cut off again, so stick in the blue charger. There should be a blue charger here somewhere. All right. So the internet has empowered people to learn, to get access to lawyers, to do other things. Okay. So that's how I view empowerment. Now, empowerment to do what is the question? That's the question. Empowerment to do what? And for us, that's going to be simply and solely what Allah permitted us to do. And, and what is in line with the maqasid of the sharia, not the maqasid of liberalism. That's the big difference. So that's how I view it. And empowerment, I mean, everyone wants that, that, that kind of empowerment. The ability for me not to be dependent upon anybody. And, the, and, and there's some dependency that's on purpose. There is some dependency that's really good, actually. Husband and wife should have some dependencies. Community member to community member should have some dependencies. Right? So, like, I don't need to be independent of doctors. Um, I can be... That's, there are good dependencies in society that are beneficial to society. And then there's the bad dependency where I can't remove harm from myself. I can't uh, improve myself because someone's stopping me. Though that's how I view things, these things, and Allah knows best. Sadi says, "What should I do if I clo- if a close friend broke ties with me and I don't know why?" The best thing is to not have suspicions and to just talk to the person. Okay. Talk to the person, and then if the person says no, no, nothing, then khalas, don't contact him. Respect yourself. Don't contact him until he contacts you. Ryan is out, and our first day is a disaster without Ryan. Unbelievable. Five times, six times, we're in the dark. Random question from sleeps. When we make dua for a non-Muslim to be guided, do they make dua for us, Although we're, even though we're not praying for a Muslim? When we make dua for a non-Muslim to be guided, the angels say, and you as well, because the paths of guidance never end. As Al-Baghawi says in Tafsir Surah Al-Fatiha, the paths of guidance never come to an end. There is always, constantly, more and more guidance available to us. Is there anything wrong with assuming you're automatically forgiven after repenting? You can't assume something like that. You should have a hope that Allah forgives you. But you can't be sure of that. We hope that Allah forgives us. But the idea that uh, you're just going to assume that? No, you can't just assume that. Pathtopeace.co We are in filming out of New Jersey. We're streaming out of New Jersey. And, and today we're half streaming uh, out of New Jersey. Okay. Albanian Reaver, thank you very much. Yes, we are in Central Jersey. Okay. Don't take knowledge from an Ashari. Why do some people say that? I don't know. They're gonna, that means they're not taking knowledge from Imam al-Nawi, Imam Ibn Hajar, all of the Malikis, all the Shafi'is, all the Hanafis. The Hanafis are Maturidis, right? So, 
sort of ridiculous. Okay. Can a woman take money from her husband, says Nimra, if he's stingy? She can use what is normal in any relationship from the wealth of her husband. She can use that, yes. All right. She can use that. It, as long as it is in a, in a known norm, like if she goes and gets the normal stuff that a person gets in her class and society. Is it permissible to cut families' ties with family who practice magic? At that point, you're obligated, Watermelon, to... Her name is Watermelon, or her, her screen name, at least. You're obligated to stay away from that person. You're not going to intend cutting ties, but you're intending... Um, you're intending to avoid harm. What do you do with a toxic family member? Stand up to them. They, false, they give you false accusations, mocking your religion. They pull off your hijab. Fight back in a way that is equivalent to what they do to you. Especially if they're physically touching you. You're allowed to push that person back. Okay? You're allowed to move their hand back. There's no doubt about that. Okay? Where's Oz? Taking class? Is dancing allowed in group dhikr? No. Rocking is allowed, but raqs, while remembering Allah, it's not the appropriate way to respect the remembrance of Allah. Maham says, I'm working on a ministerial paper on the gender pay gap for our department. I think that's empowerment to women. Equal work for equal pay. That's fair enough. What's wrong with that? Right? Do the same job, get the same money. What does the Sharia say about suicide? It is a major sin. Is it forgivable? Yes, it's forgivable. However, the person who commits suicide, the Prophet said their punishment is that they will continue to commit that suicide until the day of resurrection. They will continue to do that action. What is the shortest version of Salah on the Prophet says, Farida Khan? And the answer to that is, Allahumma salli wa sallim alayh. Allahumma salli wa sallim alayh. I've been trying over and over and over and making dua over and over. At what point do I leave the matter in Allah's hands? Whenever you're making dua, you're leaving it in Allah's hands. But the issue is that you don't stop making dua because the moment you stop, that's the reason why you will not get your answer. The Prophet said, يُسْتَجَابُ لِأَحَدِكُمْ مَا لَمْ you will get an answer until you rush. They said, what is rushing? They said that you said, ah, I made dua, but it, I never got an answer. So you quit. You will get the answer as long as you quit. Nimra says, getting a job in a place like Netflix or Spotify that promotes nudity and music, um, if, if the company's, the essence of the company is sinful, the product, then we can't work for them. But if the essence of the company's offerings is permissible, but some of the things are haram, then the job is permissible, but doing that thing is haram. Muslima says, how does one's lineage benefit them? Oh, it definitely benefits you. How? Lineage can benefit you if your dad is guided, 
and he creates a home and an environment of Islam and deen and taqwa then you benefit if you had forefathers who were righteous and they made dua for their offspring you benefit if you have parents who are financially responsible you don't fall into debt or become poor you benefit that's how good lineage benefits a person Serious questions. I'm not here. 9-11 says, I'm a UK Muslim. My parents are from India and I have cousins in India. How can Indian Muslims defend the Prophet's honor without getting lynched or risking martyrdom? I don't know the situation in India, to be honest with you. I can't answer that. Okay. I can't answer that. By the way, I forgot to tell some of the newcomers that while I'm giving the talk... Don't post questions. After we announce Q&A, then post the questions so that I don't have to scroll up, so that I can see them live. Before we continue, support this live stream at patreon.com backslash Safina Society. If you're enjoying this, 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 this live stream, it's because there are people working on it. There are people who get paid to work on it. This doesn't come out of the air. It comes with your support. Patreon.com backslash Safina Society is where you can be a supporter of the Safina Society. Nothing but facts live stream. Let's, because Hanzala was a newcomer, we will go scroll back up. What's the difference between Qiyam and Tahajjud? Tahajjud is after you sleep a little bit, then you wake up totally refreshed. That's that's Tahajjud. Qiyam is before you sleep. If I choose to pray sunnah after Isha, yet wake up for tahajjud, do my first set of rakahs have less reward? Is there a quota that needs to be? Um, you, you pray, Aisha, you pray any rakahs you want after that. You wake up for tahajjud, you pray whatever rakahs you want and you pray witr. If you can't do witr, if you don't know if you're going to wake up for tahajjud, you do witr before you sleep. If you thought you're going to wake up for tahajjud, you didn't pray witr and fajr is in, you pray witr before praying the susunas of fajr. Okay? So you can pray witr even inside of the fajr time. Is it possible to do a lot of good deeds but also commit major sins for your whole life? And will eventually one of them give out and you either become more pious or more sinful? Yes. And most people are like that. We mix good deeds and bad deeds. Okay. Yeah. In dua, if you don't know which divine name is best for you to recite, then you should recite all of the 99 names. Is learning fiqh for entertainment a type of dhikr? Sitting and learning fiqh is a form of remembrance of Allah, but is not the same as learning fiqh for the necessity of acting upon it or learning or actually doing remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How do you feel? How do you deal with feelings of low confidence and self-esteem? Self-esteem and confidence is not about you. It's about what you can do. 
So if you feel that you don't have confidence, confidence is what? In what? If you brought me a mic and said, give a talk on the dean, I could do it. If you bring me a chessboard and say, play this kid, I don't play chess, right? I wouldn't know, be confident. If you gave me a fishing pole and said, get your dinner, I wouldn't be able to know what to do. I have no confidence in that. So confidence is not in yourself. Confidence is about what you can do, okay? So if you've ever learned anything in the past, you're confident that you could learn something in the future. So if you want to be confident and have self-esteem, get good at something. Do something over and over and over until you're like an expert at that thing, okay? How many times you have, all one of some geek, right? And the geek starts going to the gym. He gets good at going to the gym. He lifts well. And then he starts seeing results. Then he's filled with confidence. Why? Because he got good at something. He got good at going to the gym. So if you want to get confident, get good at something. Study something, learn something, something you have a passion for, okay? And then you'll, you will be confident. Um, the Maldivians, the Maldives, brother from the Maldives says, can you make a video on Rabi Aradwe? We already did that, actually. In Nothing But Facts has an episode on Rabi Aradwe. One question, is it better to stay upon the fiqh that you were born into? It's the fiqh that you, if you study the usul, it's the usul that you really believe in. The ijtihad of, of that scholar that you really believe in. And there should be a scholar of that area accessible to you. There's no point in picking a madhab you can't study. Okay? And lastly, we have to go, unfortunately. Women in high positions lack confidence because people think men should have those roles. If a woman in a high place is not respected by her employees, she should fire them until they learn. And why do I say this? Because I have women in my family that are in positions right and sometimes their employees have clashes with them right and the key is what you want should be clear it should be reasonable and if someone doesn't do it it should be told once and twice and the third time you sever them right so next person comes around they're going to hear the story about my predecessor. How do I get the job? I got the job because the seat was open. The person before me is out of the job. Right? So, I think that's a very practical way of doing things. People will learn that there are consequences for disobeying you. You don't have to become mean, wicked, whatever. There's a consequence for disobeying you. Right? But the commands that you give as a boss should be within reason. And you could judge that by asking other people. Hey, is this reasonable? Hey, is this clear? And then what, are the, what is the process of disobedience? You disobeyed once, we have a meeting, a friendly meeting. You disobeyed me a second time, a third time. I'm sorry, I can't, can't work with you anymore. Okay? HR, cut the person's payments off. Hit cancel on their security badge. I've never told anyone to fire anybody because it's not my job to do that and I never will but my general advice would be when you're you're an employer you are hired I give you money you, you move things for me you say things for me you write things for me you do jobs for me okay 
It's got to be that simple so that there's a process of you know what to do. I've been very clear about it. If you don't do it, I take you to account once, twice. On the third time, we don't have a working relationship anymore. All right, with that, I got to run. And also, we got our camera needs really to, um, okay, uh, to, to, to take a breather tonight. So, Jazakumullah khairan. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashadu an la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruk wa natubu ilayk. Wal asr. Inna al-insana lafi khusr. إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته